Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The last word on Spurs is sponsored proudly by The Athletic. The best coverage of Tottenham Hotspur. Beautifully written by a world-class team of writers. Completely ad-free. No annoying pop-ups. Visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash last word to receive 50% off your yearly subscription. That's just £2.50 per month. The Athletic, the new home of football writing. And welcome back to a very special edition of The Last Word on Spurs. Now, this is a feature show. So some of you will be getting this very early on Patreon. Others, you've had to wait a while. But my God, has it been worth it? We've been dying to get this man back on The Last Word on Spurs. But to save you a moment just for the surprise, I'm delighted to have John back with me from Lily White Rose. John, how are you keeping? Hello, Ricky, mate. Yeah, doing really well after the uh, fantastic result yesterday. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next hour talking about that and building ahead to that huge game on Sunday at Anfield. Indeed. Well, do you know what? It feels like, John, it's been an, an age since the win, hasn't it? I mean, in terms of having to wait for one, it's been nearly almost a month to celebrate finally getting a win 
Delighted to have this man back on our show, Alistair Gold from Football London. Alistair, thank you for coming on. You're a busy, busy man, so we really appreciate this next hour to come. How you been? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's nice to actually have something a little bit positive to talk about with Spurs for a change. So looking forward to it, mate. Oh, delighted to have you here. And I think, John, for us, it's been a long-term project. We finally got one signing over the line, John, eh? Yeah, we're trying, mate. Ahead of that January window, we've managed to get a, a real coup through the door in Alistair Gold, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing his knowledge over the next hour. <laughs> oh, we'd like to have Alistair here. Alistair, you are, you know, the biggest Tottenham Hotspur correspondent. You work for Football London. For anyone that doesn't know you out there, and I can't believe they don't, do you just want to give a bit, a bit of a background of the role you cover at Football London and how you also cover the football club? Yeah, of course. I certainly wouldn't want to say I'm the top, the biggest uh, Tottenham Hotspur correspondent. I know there's a lot of guys that cover the club that will uh, certainly give me a ribbon about that and probably be a little bit upset. But no, I'm certainly among the pack that cover the uh, the club. I'm I'm you know pretty much there, either at the training ground or various stadiums um, with the with the team, talking to Poch, all of that sort of stuff most weeks, uh, writing about them every day. It's uh, a bit of a weird 24-7 thing. It's, it's, it's meant to not be, but of course it is because it's Tottenham Hotspur and there's always something happening with that club. It is indeed. And Alistair, we're reflecting on Tottenham Hotspur winning a game. It feels like it's been a while because it's been nearly a month. But we provided, you'd say, five of the best the other night in the Champions League against Red Star Belgrade. A must-win game for Tottenham. We did do it in emphatic style. What did you make of that victory? Um, I think the biggest thing people will always say about the opposition, they'll say, you know, it was Red Star Belgrade. They're not at the level of maybe the teams that Spurs will face week in, week out. But for me, the most important thing was the intent. You know, Spurs went out there from the first whistle and they absolutely went at them. And that kind of said everything for me. You know, we've had some really insipid performances. We've seen, you know, players kind of half-heartedly putting a limp leg into a challenge and things like that. That was nothing like, you know, this game. This game was very much full pelt, everyone running, the pressing game coming back. Musa Sissoko a couple of times going about 40 yards across the pitch to try, uh, to close someone down. This was about kind of endeavour, energy and a little bit of heart as well, which maybe has been missing from Spurs in the last few weeks. And, and I think that was... That's, excuse the pun, the most heartening thing to see about it. John, you've been desperate, haven't you, to see Spurs turn around this form as we have all of us. Big fan of Richard Pochettino. You must have been delighted in the way we did respond because that was, for me, almost a throwback to what Maurizio was all about when he walked through the door. That high pressing, the movement, the skill of the team, that desire to be first to every ball. That's more like the Tottenham we're used to under Pochettino, isn't it? Yeah, Ricky, I was starting to get a bit worried about my my comment I made that, you know, I'd be happy if Poch lost the next 10 in a row and I'd still be backing him. Well, we'd lost three. I was starting to get a bit worried. Yeah, but, I was... uh, no, look, I always knew the boys were going to turn it around and Pochino was the man to, to do that. It was a really, really impressive performance. It had a lot of the, the hallmarks of the good Tottenham that we all know and love. Um, high pressing, power, pace, um, great movement. I'd you know, I was, I was particularly impressed with Harry Kane's movement, actually. I thought Tango Yundumbele had another superb game in, in midfield and and got himself an assist last night. Um, so, yeah, which is a lot of positives to come out of that game. Um, and in terms of a few players that, that were involved that maybe haven't been involved so much, I was really pleased with Davidson Sanchez, for example, to come back in and, and keep a clean sheet. Um, and it really sets us up nicely in the group, uh, being on four points and, and going to Red Star in the next game. I, I know a few fans are saying, oh, they're a different outfit 
you know, at home and all that sort of stuff. And Liverpool lost there last year, and I believe Napoli drew there. Um, but from what I saw last night, they are very, very poor, and I would be very disappointed if we didn't go over there, exert our authority, start the game as we did last night, and, and go out and get the three points. What have you made, Alistair, of Tungle and Dembele's settling to the Premier League and to, to the English League in general? Because there's been maybe some out there that have maybe expected him to have started a bit quicker than what he has. But for me, you know, we've already seen certain traits where I think he's going to be a real top player for this football club, isn't he? I think so. I think so. He's he's still got a long way to go. I think Potts said early in the season, didn't he, that he was only playing at about 30%. I still reckon he's probably only around 50% at the moment. And it's it's all about adaptation. The you know the English league is so different to pretty much every league in the world and including European football. It's absolute 100% hectic kind of blood and thunder stuff. And I think that's come as a massive shock to him. You know, even in, in pre-season, I asked him out in Singapore about Poch's training sessions. Um, he was speaking French. He was kind of doing it through Sissoko was translating and. I asked him about those training sessions and what it was like, and he actually flipped to his only little bit of English, and he just went very hard and stared at me in the eyes as if like, and then kind of burst out laughing because it's a massive change for the guy. You know, we forget how young he is. You know, was he only 22? Um, this is a massive culture change for him. And Pochettino, you know, he coaches in a very different way in terms of off the pitch stuff in training, and I think he he's felt that he's looked. I'd say he's looked knackered in some early matches, you know, even even from the early minutes because the amount of running he's had to do. So it was really nice to see him, you know, against Red Star in a, a game that afforded him a lot more space. And, and it was devastating, absolutely tore them to pieces. And, and what I really like about him as well, it's not just the kind of physical side to his game, how strong he is. He's incredibly precise with his passing and it's, and he doesn't wait. It's He's a risk taker. He will go for that first time direct ball straight into people's path. And we know even whether it's a pass or a shot, if you hit that early, you're always going to pretty much unsettle the opposition. And he, I think he's, he's very much going to pay back that club record fee that Spurs paid him. Alistair, just a quick one on Tangi before we move on. Um, do you feel part of the decision to reward Mr. Sizoko with that new long-term contract was the sort of big brother role he's offering to Tangi at the moment and helping him settle into the club and, and knowing that, you know, Shizoko will be around for a couple more seasons to help Tangi grow into the player we'll hope he becomes. Could be, could be. I'd probably say it's, it's a lot of money to pay a babysitter in a way. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think I'd, I'd like to think, it, I'm sure Musa Saga like to think it's for a little bit more. And I do think actually last night was a really good example of their partnership on the pitch in that, Musa Saka did a lot of the dirty work into, and just let um, Tongi Ondembele just kind of run riot. Um, and I, I think maybe that's... There's a bit of both. He very much is a big brother to him um, behind the scenes. But I think it's maybe more his on-pitch stuff. And the fact that he's such a versatile player, Sissoko. I mean, we've seen he's even played at right back this season, hasn't he? So I think it was probably a contract we wouldn't have seen coming had we uh, you know, talked about it three years ago or so. But actually, it kind of makes it makes good sense, I think, for Pochettino and the squad. On that point of that contract, Alistair, it kind of brings me nicely on to discussing some of the players that weren't playing in that Red Star Belgrade game. You know, Pochettino dropped three of his what have been alleged want-away players, Christian Eriksen, Danny Rose, Toby Adderfield, with the latter two dropped from the squad altogether. What did you make of that decision from Maurizio? And if it had any impact in that performance we did see, it was a real statement of Tottenham to kind of, in a way, show we are 
we have got the capability of turning it on. Anything we can look into more in detail about the players that were left out of that game? It's a tough one. I don't want to be a party pooper in the terms I, I know kind of where you're heading. And, and obviously a lot of people are saying the same thing. But what I would say with Champions League games, Pochettino does that quite a lot. He does often leave people out of squads. I mean, granted, it's more often the away trips. He won't even bother taking them. I think Alderweireld actually misses quite a few. I remember one last year, him and Trippier, I think it was Inter Milan, were left out. I don't think it's so much when it comes to those about, you know, whether they're one to away contract stuff. I think it purely is, I think Alderweireld's probably played almost maybe every minute apart from the Colchester game. Um, I think Rose has started almost every game except for maybe Brighton. I'd, throwing those out in the air, I, th- I think that might be kind of roughly right. And I think it's just a case of he didn't feel he needed them on the day. Ericsson, for me, is a slightly different scenario. He's clearly is is out of favour. He's out of form. Um, he did pick up the dead leg on duty with uh, Denmark, so perhaps he felt that it wasn't worth risking him. But for me, Ericsson's the one. That's such a kind of a not a fall from grace, or maybe it is. You know, he's this team was built around Christian Eriksen pretty much. So then to try and create a whole game plan that doesn't involve the Dane is, is probably one of the biggest challenges Poch has had, I'd say, in recent seasons. I know John's going to ask you a lot of questions on the players, but before he does, I just want to nab in and also ask you, Danny Rose, an interesting one, because even with Ben Davis signing that new contract in the summer, it does appear that it's continued to favour Danny Rose over Ben Davis. Has that surprised you, Alistair, in a way? Um... It, the Danny Rose situation is a bit of a strange one. You do wonder whether that was more a club decision than anyone like Danny Rose particularly wanting to get out or because he made this, I think it was quite a telling statement towards the end of last season where he said, you know, I think he said something like, I'd like to stay, but we know the club's policy on players, older players. And it kind of felt more that he was going to be pushed towards the exit door than wanting to. And we had that obviously that failed move to Watford on, on deadline day that just never really got off the ground. Um, I do wonder in that scenario whether it's one that Pochettino, you know, he wasn't massively fussed about losing him or keeping him, but as he stayed around, he, you know, he was a good player that he wanted to call upon. I do wonder now, with recent performances, whether we are going to see a slight a changing of the guard. My my gut feeling still tells me that Davies will eventually kind of take on take on the role from Rose, and then that's to kind of. He's the path I still think for Ryan Sessegnon in the future as well. I think he's too young to maybe play as the team's left back right now. But I think reverse of Gareth Bale, I think they'll slowly move Sessegnon back as he gets a bit older and more mature into that left back role. And Ben Davies is a safe pair of hands to kind of oversee that. Yeah, Alistair, on, on those players we, we're talking about, and I, I totally agree with you with, with the plan of bringing Ryan Sessegnon through eventually to be our, our long-term left back. But, um, you know, I see myself as one of the more... what you called happy clapper fans I'm generally very passionate and optimistic about about Tottenham and, and how things are going and I found myself in the last few weeks actually I've really turned on Danny Rose whereas before I was very very staunchly you know defending him and just the, I, I realized and, and and the performances over the last month have really emphasized the point that he just isn't as good as as we all think he is and and that sort of happened unfortunately in my opinion to to, to Toby Alderweireld and, and Jan Vertonghen it's as though they've sort of aged this season um, obviously, there is the contract stuff going on in the background, but I, I sort of got the idea from last night's team lineup and, and the eleven that started the game. Um, I, I know, obviously, you're saying that Pochettino does often leave out players in the Champions League, but it sort of felt like that Fatongan may be the one that's the most likely to stay, and, and that's why he was involved alongside Davidson, Sanders, Alderweireld, and 
uh, rows were left out. And, and, and Ericsson, I mean, I'm starting to feel as though now that these players that do want to leave the club, and this is unthinkable for me to say, considering how highly I rate Christian Eriksson, and, and, you know, as you said, we've built a team around him. This Pochettino team has been, he's been the key to the team. Um, but I'm starting to feel like now, if he is going to go, let's just phase him out. That's when the opportunities are there. And we've got Lachelso coming through. We've got Lamella playing the best he's ever played for Tottenham at the moment. Um, let, let, let's, let's not put Ericsson in at Liverpool at the weekend. Let's go with the players that we've got and the players that care and the players that want to stay. Because I feel like that will help rebuild the bond between the fans and the club that has sort of deteriorated a little bit over, over the last month. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, it, it's it's a great shout, and it's something that I've kind of I, I've also said would be a good way forward. But the problem is, is I'm going to kind of take myself out of my shoes and maybe put them in into Pochettino's. Um, I suppose he's he's dealt with these players for years. He's got very close bonds to certainly a lot of them, especially Ericsson. He's very very close to Ericsson, and I suppose it's more about the timing. Obviously, we're in October, so it's not like you know, we're almost at the January window. So he's going to have to work with these players, whatever, for the next few months. And they're also very popular players within the changing room as well, the dressing room as well. So while I personally, I completely agree. I think you just start building for the future. I think you start looking in that direction and I think you start getting Spurs into that habit. It may take a knock in results, but if, even if you're kind of setting up that team for the future, that's a good thing. However, I just wonder how damaging it is to have these very experienced, powerful, big dress uh, voices in the dressing room sitting on the sidelines, quite well, naturally sniping because they're not in the team. You know, they're they're obviously looking to build up interest in suitors for January when people can talk to them about a free transfer in the summer. And I just wonder, squad harmony wise, Pochettino being all about the collective, whether that actually is, is kind of something that actually works in practice or not. It's, it's a massive juggling act. Yeah, it, it, it may be as well. Obviously, we don't know this, but I know that officially clubs can offer the pre-contract from January, but I'm absolutely certain that agents and intermediaries will be discussing deals as we speak um, and probably have already been doing so. Um, you know, it's a no-brainer for, for somebody, even if they don't have space for him in their starting eleven. but a, a Barcelona, a Real Madrid, a Juventus, clubs that can pay these top wages, PSG to come in and, and get Christian Eriksen on the 1st of January, announce the deal, um, whether or not they ever intend on using him. You know, they can, once he's in a four or five year contract, they can move him on for 80 to 100 million because that would be his market value with a, with a long term deal behind him. So I, I can see him certainly having possibly something lined up already. And maybe that's why we don't know that he's not being maybe selected or he's going to start being phased out. Could be, could be, but what I would say is, if they're going to judge him on how he's playing this season, he's, he's not going to get a big move anywhere. He's uh, yeah, you're right. If Real Madrid and Zidane are watching him. He's been absolutely woeful, um, and and I think that's probably always been the big worry with Ericsson as well. Is, is the big game management in the way he plays, and uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in January. Because, like you say, I agreed with what you said earlier. I do think Vertonghen out of the three is probably the one who would most like to say at Spurs. But I also get the impression that the summer has not been too kind to him. He's he really something's something's changed. Whether it's the pace, he certainly he never was the fastest player, but he seems to have lost another yard or so. And his positioning has just has really suffered accordingly with with losing that extra step. Um, and I do. And the trouble is, if he's trying to make a case for maybe getting a two three year deal, again, a bit like Ericsson, he, he's not he's not winning anyone over. 
Do you know what, Alistair, that's a perfect segue into my next part of the show because just on Vertonghen, you mentioned him there that it does appear he has lost that yard of pace that he most certainly had last season and his reading of the game doesn't appear to be what it was. I mean, he, he did play in that Red Star Belgrade win along with Davidson Sanchez. I just wonder, when you see someone like Muta Sissoko getting a three to four year contract, does that maybe put Jan's nose slightly out of joint? Or do you think, in a way, when you look back at the start of the season, where Jan was dropped for what's been alleged as tactical reasons, do you think Pochettino maybe knew all along that he just didn't return in pre-season the player that we knew he was beforehand? Honestly, mate, it's more and more what I'm starting to think in, in my thoughts. I just... It kind of fits together. It, it does. He's just been a real shadow of the player, which is an enormous shame because I'd probably say Spurs' best defender, best centre-back, probably best left-back as well for the past, you know, four or five years or so. I know everyone always was a big champion of Alderweireld, but I felt even during those times, Vertonghen was one kind of kind of carrying the can as it was while Alderweireld did all the fancy stuff. And... Um, it's a massive shame. It really is. Even last night, I was watching him. He kept, uh, there's quite a few occasions, Ben Davies was bailing him out. He was um, getting around to cover balls over the top or behind, and Vertonghen was constantly holding his hand out as if to say thanks, you know, because that's that shouldn't be the case. A player of his quality, you know, who at one point probably could play for any club in the world. Um, the decline is just... It, uh, I hope it's a temporary thing. I hope it's not something where he literally is just getting older and it, it's a struggle. Hopefully it's just something that he needs to work on, needs to adjust his game slightly. Maybe, like I say, adjusting that positioning for a, a slightly slower speed that he's got now because it would be a massive shame. Big loss to Tottenham if, if he is going to be really on the slide. Mm, we even saw at one point in that game against Belgrade, Gazaniga screaming at Vertonghen after he left his man and Lamella slid into that challenge at the end of the pitch. It's just so unlike Jan. And there's one man I want to ask you about more, Alistair. Again, you've mentioned him throughout your writings over these last couple of months, and that's Serge Aurier, because, as you've said, he's repeatedly stated he's wanted away. He's still in that Tottenham team. What does the future hold for a player like Serge, who has got that ability to put in some really good performances but yet, he can be so erratic. <laughs> what do you see the future from at the club? Uh, I, I don't see much of one, I'll be honest with you. I think he's a, he's a player that's capable of so much, but you just don't ever get that consistent level from him. It was really weird. Against Palace, obviously, he was superb. Absolutely fantastic in a match. And I asked Pochettino afterwards about his performance, and, and I was expecting him to do his usual and big him up or big up a player that's done well. And he just very kind of clearly stated... He was very good, but he needs to do that now in a second match and a third match and a fourth match and so on. Potts has sussed him out. That's the thing. It's, he, he knows he's never going to give you that consistent level of concentration uh, because you just can't. The amount of times he gets caught upfield. It was embarrassing during the Bayern Munich match, watching mm. him playing as a number 10. It was like, <laughs> what are you doing there? Honestly, seriously, just gone up there and he decided, you know what, I'm going to stay up here. And so you had everyone was having, I think it was Lamella. Lamella was going nuts there, wasn't he? Oh yeah. my God. It's like, if anyone's going to be a number 10, it shouldn't be our, you know, right back. It was madness. And, and he's just, as, yeah, as you said, he's, he's, he's asked, well, he's not asked, he's, he's, yeah, he has asked the club that he want, wanted to leave. He, he kind of, it was a bit woolly, his description of why his explanations. It was kind of personal stuff and also getting chances and all that. But this season was his chance to be the first choice right back. And clearly, 
he's not going to even be able to hold down that that spot. I, I'd be stunned if even we get to January and the club don't entertain bids for him. But I'd be intrigued what John thinks, John. I know you, it's worth you asking as to the question more of the case that Carl Walker-Peters is a guy that must want minutes. How does it feel for him when he's on that bench and he's seeing Davinson Sanchez get opted at right back over him, Eric Dyer, Sergio? I mean, what does that do for his kind of confidence? Yeah, I, I personally think the, the decision has been made on Carl Walker-Peters based on his training ability. I, I just think Pochettino doesn't really rate him that highly. Um, obviously, there, w- there were sporadic appearances last year and those games he did particularly well. I always go back to that hat-trick of assists at Wembley against Bournemouth. But um, I just feel like over a period of time, Pochettino hasn't really uh, you know, given him the trust to continue to play on a regular basis. I, I, there was a game at Palace in the FA Cup where he gave away a penalty of a needless handball. And since then, we haven't seen too much of him. I know he played the first couple of games this season and he actually did pretty well at the Etihad up against Raheem Sterling. So it seems a bit unfair that he's now come out of the side. But uh, Ricky, as I've always said, I feel like in the summer, had we received suitable bids for any of our three right backs, Mm. we would have sold them. You know, it was just a matter of which one had the most attractive offer and which one actually had a good offer on the table. Um, Once we sold one, it may have then been harder to sell one of the other two. Carl Walker-Peters also has the bonus of having this um, homegrown status and also club train status for the Champions League now that he's turned 22. Um, So... You know, I just feel like they would have sold any any of our three right backs, and it was just an attractive offer came in for Trippier, and that's why he was sold. And I think in January we'll probably lose another one of those two, and it and it could be either of the two, to be honest with you. Um, and, and we will reinvest in, and get a new right back. I don't know who that will be, but it certainly is a problem position for us because, as Alistair said, you know, Pochettino said after that Crystal Palace game where Aurea was fantastic. Let me see him do it on a consistent basis. And the next game was, was obviously Leicester, where he could have done well again if, if, that, if that goal had been given that was disallowed. Um, but then there was the Bayern Munich debacle. Um, so it's always the thing with Aurier. You know, there's never, ever been any consistency. I don't actually rate him that highly. There's been one or two good games for me. But other games where, you know, Watford, for example, I've, him and Rose were both absolutely atrocious. That They got into multiple good positions to deliver crosses and they were just absolutely terrible. Um, and I think it would be good for all parties if we could move him on. Will we ever recover that huge £23 million fee for him? Absolutely not, unless someone in China decides that they want Serge Aurier or Stoke City come back into money. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's going to be a loss. And uh, it's been a very disappointing transfer for, for that sum of money and everything that's come with it. Mm. Let's have it if it is someone from China. They haven't watched the last couple of years and they're buying him on the back of his PSG highlights. I mean, otherwise, I am really concerned. And Alistair. What I do want to ask you is about Maurizio Pochettino's future. We're going to bring it on shortly to the transfer window and where you maybe see things are at for Spurs. But a lot of speculation around our manager, more than what we've ever been used to, I think, during his tenure at the club. Six seasons, I think it's fair to say, four months ago, we're sitting there in a Champions League final. He's one of the best managers, certainly in my lifetime, watching Tottenham, the way we've played football, to get to that final, the achievement itself. Four months on, there are fans... I actually think he's taken the club as far as he can. They would like to see a change. I mean, can you believe, I know football's crazy, but in the space of four months, can you believe there's been that kind of, that change almost with, with not all the fan base, fair to say, but some of the fan base. Does that baffle you or not really now in modern day football? Yeah, in the words of Pochettino, nothing surprises me now. Um, it's it, funny enough, he, he kind of said something similar. Do you remember when everyone, included in the media, were kind of in uh, uproar at the fact that he wouldn't just commit his future to Spurs in press conferences? He kept saying, well, ultimately, 
It's not down to me. Mm. It's down to, you know, anything can happen. And weirdly, that kind of proves to be quite prophetic because it's exactly happening now. In that They have a probably the first real tough period since the first few months he came into the job. And yeah, and all and, and and various people are saying that that's it. It's it's time for a change. Um, I think it's so harsh on him. I really do. It's like all of the stuff he's done for Spurs. I know he hasn't brought in the silverware, and I know people always call throw that against him until he finally does. But the guy has improved Spurs pretty much every season in certain aspects. Obviously, last year it wasn't about improving Premier League; it was about improving the European while still getting into the top four with no transfers next season, you know, and then suddenly they, they just hit a bit of a rough patch. It, it's not irretrievable. It's still quite early in the season and the knives are out. And it's like, the guy was just voted in the top three managers in the world <laughs> by FIFA. And it's like, but he's not quite good enough for Tottenham Hotspur. It's, I, I just don't follow the line of, of logic. I, I get the silverware angle and I get all of that, but I also see a guy that's just, trying to battle with what he's got um, and the absolute mess that came out of the summer and so many players who wanted to leave, wanted to try new challenges and weren't able to be moved on. That must be so difficult for a manager, especially one whose whole philosophy is based on the collective and getting everyone pulling in the same direction. It must have been a nightmare. So, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not on the potch out train. I'm going to ask you one more before John comes in. Do you see any way in which there is that concern he could leave this season? Only because you look at, I think we, we spoke about it briefly off air, his contract at the football club, the chairman who clearly has a very close affection towards Pochettino. Is there any way you could you could see him leaving? I mean, his contract, as we understand, is worth between 25 to 30 million. The Champions League, to get into that, is, is worth 60 to 70 million. We know with this stadium, it does feel that a Champions League football is essential. Do you have any concern if it becomes a case where in between a fourth to the rest becomes very hard for Spurs to start making up, could there be any panic for you on that? I think Daniel Levy will give him as much time as possible. I think he's fully aware of everything Pochettino has kind of done for him, really. You know, essentially he's, he's managed to have Spurs competing on a relative shoestring with the very top teams, delivering Champions League football for four consecutive seasons. I think... If ever there's been a manager during the Levy era that's probably got some credit in the bank, it is Pochettino. So I don't. I think it would have to be an absolutely disastrous run of defeats that would probably see that happen. Um, but even then, it's it's financially it's a really tough one as well because yeah, this this deal we're led to believe is around eight point five million a year. He's still got what three and a half years left on it as well. That's 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 a lot of money to pay out just to get rid of someone and then have to bring in a, another manager their coaching staff, their whole new blueprint for our team. It's its a its a massive financial package and it, it almost starts to outweigh the Champions League stuff, as ridiculous as it sounds. And I think with Pochettino, I, I, I'd be stunned if he walked away. Partly financial, uh, however much he would say that that's nothing, doesn't mean too much for him. I don't think any human being walks away from you know an enormous contract like that. The only way I could see it happening is if some enormous club came in and essentially put in the equivalent of like a transfer fee for him and then that kind of suited all parties but I'm hoping it doesn't come to that because I think there's still a hell of a lot more he can offer to the club something that I've never really entertained the thought of him leaving and I've been very vocal in my my views that you know 
let's show some loyalty to a man who's taken us to new heights. Certainly in my lifetime, I've never enjoyed and felt more passionate about watching my football club. Um, and he's made me so happy with, with some of the amazing and unthinkable results we've had and, and moments we've all had together. Sometimes it's not all about a trophy. I know opposition fans drill that down your, you know, your throat all the time and um, you know make it seem like winning a Carabao Cup would be better than playing in Champions League finals and losing. Well, simply for me, that's a no. It's, for me, it's, it's about those lifetime moments and memories that we've had with this manager. And if anyone does deserve loyalty, it's him. Um, and, and I think he will turn it around. And I think actually the end of the Watford game and, and the performance last night will be the start of that. Even if, look, even if we go up to Anfield and we lose, but we give a good performance and we show that we care and we show we're on the right track, I would then fully expect us to go to Goodison Park the next week and win that game. So I think people need to just have a bit of faith and, and remember what this great man has done for the club because... I find the calls for his head really alarming. Um, people seem to have very short-term memories and, and don't remember the rubbish that we've had, certainly throughout most of my lifetime. Alistair, I will be caned, pardon the pun, if I don't ask you this question. You see Maurizio Pochettino up front, close, personal, every single week. You see him more than some men see their wives. So I've got to be honest and ask <laughs> you the question. You know, Have you noticed a change in his body language? That's what a lot of people have wrote about over the last year or so, that he maybe isn't as close to the players as what he once was. The fact that he came out before the Champions League final and said, you know, he could be leaving the club. Have you noticed that for you? Any change in the way he maybe is with journalists or he is around players? I mean, you see him so much. It's a strange one. I see that said a lot and, and I try and look for it. But the thing is, I think if you do see him so much, you know, obviously see him God, four or five times a, a week, depending on how many press conferences and matches we have. But he's, his demeanour doesn't change that much for, a you know, a very kind of passionate, emotional Latin American guy. Actually, he has these two kind of very set moods and it's during matches. He's a bit of a live wire. He's kind of marching about his uh, technical area he's shouting screaming various things in his press conference he's completely opposite he's ridiculously calm likes to have a bit of a laugh and a joke especially with um kind of issue language issues he enjoys that sometimes when he says the wrong word and things like that and i i don't see it i don't he can get tetchy with questions sometimes i mean the one you just spoke about the the actual the thing about um you know maybe leaving spurs if they won a champions league that actually came about him being a bit tetchy about a question in the first place um it's just the way he is i, I don't really see a massive change in the way he acts um it's don't get me wrong it's a, it's a very tiring job he looks absolutely shattered sometimes uh, i know he does ridiculous hours i think they're in there from seven in the morning till sometimes nine at night it can be in the training ground so sometimes he'll rock up to a press conference looking uh, even more knackered than i do which is quite an achievement and um but i no, i don't see a massive change in the in the character of Mauricio Pochettino that we you know we kind of deal with on a on a weekly basis it's something that Pochettino said last night that really sort of endeared his, his comments to myself and I'm sure many other fans. And he expressed his love for the Spurs fans. He said, um, the fans are fantastic. I heard their support. I say thank you. The love is both ways. I feel that they love me and they need to feel that I love them too. Um, I, I just thought that was a really nice comment for Pochettino to come out and say in a time where obviously there has been the, the talk about his future at the club. And, and just to get that bond that I feel has been severed a little bit over the coming uh, over the last month um, back on side and and you know I actually thought it was a really good turnout last night I think it was 52,000 in the end uh, in in light of you know the, the bad form and, and the issues with ticket sales etc 
Um, I, I thought that was really good. Alistair, I, I don't know how you, how you found the, the atmosphere in the ground and, and did you feel that sort of love between the fans and, and Pochettino last night? Oh, definitely, definitely. I think the whole South stand quite early on was singing his name and then towards the end, the entire stadium kind of broke out into a big verse of it. It was quite it was quite clever from Pochettino. In a way, it was rectifying a bit of a mistake he made after Watford. He, um, he criticised the atmosphere for the first 70 minutes of the game, although he explained that, you know, he understood why the atmosphere wasn't great because of the, you know, the dire football they were serving up. But just that moment, it just even just mentioning a slight negative about the fans when, you know, clearly everything hasn't been great on the pitch um, was was a was a mistake. And he doesn't often well say he doesn't often. He does make some missteps in the media and in his press conferences, but that for me was was one. And it got a bit of kind of a backlash from the fans. And obviously, when he needs them on, you know, behind him rather than on his back that was the wrong way to go. And I think someone's, whether he's realised it or whether Jesus Perez is very, he, he keeps an eye on social media, let's put it that way. So he will have seen the reaction to those comments. So Pochettino will often come into the press conference with a very clear message and he'll try and crowbar it into any answer that he sees it slightly fits. Um, and I think it was my second question, which was nothing to do with the fans. Was actually, it was about pressing. It was about Tottenham's pressing game, and he somehow slipped into there about how fantastic the fans were and how they pushed the team on. And then later on, she came out with that comment about how much she loves them. And yeah, it, it's I suppose it's clever management of the situation. He knows he needs them continuously singing his name. He was very, you know, tried to be modest and say rather they just it was all for the players. But <laughs> he knows he knows that's that's a good thing. And with Daniel Levy sitting up in the director's box to hear the fans singing his name. It's, uh, yeah, it, it was the right thing to say. I have to ask you, Alistair, the transition to the new stadium, his comments where he did come out and said that it's not easy for the players to play in that atmosphere. That's the first time that I've ever seen him, or certainly from me, you know, you're there every week, you know him more than obviously we, we do up close personal, that he's ever been negative at all about the atmosphere in the stadium. Was that surprising to you? And also, what have you made of the transition to that new stadium? Does it feel like what Hart Lane for you on a bigger scale, or will it just take some more adaptation to there for you? Um, yeah, it's, it's going to take a bit of time. I think even White Hart Lane, you know, obviously we've got this amazing memories of White Hart Lane, a lot of it because of that final season. The final season was incredible. If you could have picked a, a final season at White Hart Lane, You'd have pretty much written it with the story, the script of being like that, you know, unbeaten. It was amazing. Every game, the fans were absolutely tremendous. You know, they, they were the 12th, you know, the, literally the cliche 12th man. They really were. However, before that, there were games. There were times when the fans would maybe be a bit quiet. They would sit there. They'd wait to be entertained, you know, Spanish style. Um, and I think some of that has come across, you know, into the new stadium. We, we saw it at Wembley as well. Certainly Wembley, it showed that a bigger crowd doesn't necessarily make a sphere. Um, and I think that's just something that's going to slowly evolve. You know, the South Stand has, plays a big part. It's a big, noisy gramophone of a stand. Um, but I think everyone's getting used to the new home. And if the football's not too great, um, and don't forget, we haven't actually had that many matches there so far. If you kind of total up just the last few of the last season and the ones there now, it's a learning process. And I think if the football improves, the atmosphere improves. It's kind of a bit of a vicious cycle. It probably shouldn't be. I think in Pochettino's mind, he's probably thinking the fans should be spurring us on and the fans are thinking, well, you're not giving us anything to spur us on. It's uh, 
it's a funny situation, but I think everyone will just slowly get used to it and hopefully it'll end up as White Hart Lane was. Just just on the new stadium, Alistair, while, while we're covering it, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on the 10-year NFL deal and, and you know, it's set to bring in plenty of money for, for the club over the years ahead. The, the two games recently were hugely successful from what I understand. I know you were down covering them. Um, what did you make of them and, and sort of what do you think about that moving forward? And do you, I know that the deals with Wembley games are up in 2021, I believe. And do you think Tottenham will then go for the full set of games that are played over here? Or, or do you see a franchise coming further down the line? I, I think, yeah, all of the above, quite frankly. Um, yeah, I was there for both games. The atmosphere was incredible. That, that's the weird thing. We're just talking about the atmosphere for the football games. And actually... The NFL, despite the fact that an NFL crowd, especially in London, it's quite a mixed bag. You know, you've got the two teams that are playing, but you've also got a lot of the other NFL fans come to watch it. The noise level was constant throughout the entire thing. All the players also spoke about it. Um, and that's obviously what's different from the kind of peaks and troughs of um, a football supporting. Um, it was an enormous success. You know, they broke the uh, record crowd as well for the first game between the Raiders and the Bears. And for me... I know some kind of diehard fans will be thinking, why is why are other teams playing in our stadium, especially the second one when it was decked out in red for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? But I can't see why not. You know, football games probably what you're talking, maybe thirty to forty at the most matches or days of the year used in the stadium. You can't have a stadium that sits there empty for three hundred and ten or so days of the year. It's 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 a great way to make money for the club, um, gets the name out there. Literally everyone across America, the pundits, the players were talking about the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They're going to get a naming rights deal out of the NFL, I feel. I feel that's the avenue. I think they've been waiting to have these games. You know, it puts the club on a massive pedestal in terms of another sport as well. And yeah, down the line, franchise, I think that'll happen. I think it's going to make Wembley look a bit archaic in terms of hosting um, NFL games. And next season, their deal's up as well. Um, no, is it 2021, maybe? Um, I think Spurs have got the only purpose-built NFL stadium outside the USA. I think it's all pointing towards that being a another revenue stream for the club, which hopefully can only push on the football side of things as well. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I'm one of those fans where Every single day, Tottenham Hotspur aren't using it. I want someone else using it. I'm really pleased to see that there seems to be conferences going on inside the stadium every day. Um, I understand the stadium's actually the third biggest event space um, in London. So in terms of that, you can hire the most number of venue spaces uh, and they're doing really well with the bookings with that. And to me, I mean, I know people get upset, uh, you know, oh, it's red or whatever, but that was a real one-off. Not all the NFL teams play in those colours and... Um, you know, I'm just really pleased that it was such a big success and it also is good for the local economy, for employing local people on more non-Tottenham match days, whereas, you know, the old White Hart Lane only had Spurs game, multiple games and fixtures and other events going on at the stadium. Obviously, we've got the rugby, Saracen's big match coming up in March. That'll be the next sort of big event in the stadium and another opportunity to see a new clientele come into the ground and experience it and more, more options for that naming rights deal. It's interesting that you've said that you think it will be sort of an NFL line sponsorship. Um, so obviously there are some huge deals that go down in America. I, I read your article, Alistair, mm. I believe it was the week before last about some of those massive sort of 20 to 25 million a season deals. Um, and if we've got something like that on a, on a 20 year deal, for example, um, you'd be looking at four, 400 million, um, which would go a long way through paying the, the initial outlay on the stadium and, and would help us moving forward. You hope with uh, more investment into the squad. So it's, it's really exciting times. 
on investment in the squad, Alistair, I think one of the key things that if you saw over that weekend when you was covering the game, or say covering you were there more kind of, I think, on leisure for the for the NFL games, was fans more of a case of implying that they don't mind the NFL going ahead there as long as they do see eventually that money that the club are receiving actually go back into the playing squad. I think that that's the key thing. And when we talk about the playing squad, I think we talk a lot about this rebuild. Maurizio spoke about it a lot. You ask him about it, this, this painful rebuild he's referred it to. In, in terms of January, how much business do you actually think Spurs could do? Because we know he's not a massive January transfer window fan. From what I can gauge my memory, Lucas Moura, apart from him, there hasn't been too many, has there? Can you see it being busy in January? so dependent on outgoings and the problem is it shouldn't be that's the issue because those outgoings are pretty much players you know are going to be leaving in the summer either way the likes of uh, Rose Aurier Alderweireld Eriksson possibly Vertonghen so there's there has to be a sense of planning ahead there really does of you know get these guys replacements if you can sorted out in January I know there's excuses aplenty there's uh, fees go up People will know that Tottenham are on the lookout. I think that's been partly why Pochettino has played it down recently as well, is that you know you are essentially flagging to the world, we need a right-back or we need a new playmaker or something like that. And obviously prices go up accordingly. But you just kind of feel, how long are we going to be talking about a rebuild and it not happening? Um, Poch does absolutely hate the January transfer window with a passion. His feeling is that, you know, he has to build a philosophy and that's what he does in um, pre-season. And it's, as I said earlier with Ondembele, it's so different to many other clubs and the way they play. It's a real culture shock. And the whole point of signing Lucas Mora pretty much was because he was available at a good price. And Pochettino essentially pretty much wrote off the last uh, half of the second half of the season for him. He's like, pretty much this is a transfer for him to adapt so that he can hit next season running pretty much because Spurs will often buy players in the last day of the transfer window and they don't really get that pre-season anyway. So the January serves as a bit of a weird, that's like a six-month pre-season, isn't it? Um, that's that's the only way I can see it as well. But the trouble is, as well, is if they can move those players on. I feel that Spurs, unfortunately, wait and wait and wait to try and move players on before they act. And I don't think they're going to be able to move on the likes of Ericsson, Vertonghen, Alderweireld in January. Why would they when those players can can sort themselves out a free deal for the summer and get an enormous signing on fee? They're going to have to be brave. And if they're not, I think they're going to let, let themselves really, really fall behind. Do you think anyway, Alistair, having that Euros 2020 could play into Mauricio's hands? Because I'm not saying he's like this as a manager, but if he says, look, I'm not going to play you, you need to move. Is that one thing to kind of look at or do you just think it's not going to be easy just to say that to players because like you said earlier in the show when you've got those kind of senior players in the dressing room that have got that big voice you don't want to cause even more disturbance than what it appears that there has been do you, do you think has there has there been for you dissenting voices in training has there been massive disturbances that have caused the poor form is that what it's down to is it down to these one to away players or is it a combination of factors do you think yeah, it's probably a bit of everything. I, I wouldn't say there's been, you know, there's been some like big revolution in the ranks or anything like that. I think it's just a bunch of players that have been there for a long time, um, looking for a new challenge, have been doing, you know, have been working in the same way probably quite a lot. 
Um, I know there's been talk of stale training sessions and things like that, which which kind of Pochettino and and Kane. I think Kane laughed about the tiredness, wasn't it, the other day about how um, the players are overworked and things like that. There's this going to be a sense of maybe just doing the same. It's like anyone in any job, you know. If if you've been there for five six years, you're going to get itchy itchy feet, and you are going to wonder what else is out there. Um, and I do wonder. The record as well with players who have played for Pochettino and then go on to play elsewhere, there's not actually a massive success rate in ones that go on to really star afterwards. I'd say probably Carl Walker, obviously you can say. Trippio started very well, but there's not too many out of that bunch that have then gone on to absolutely star. So it'd be really interesting to see how some of these players play uh, under different managers and different regimes. But um yeah, it's 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 a very very weird season. The whole unsettled thing has been a new challenge. That's what Pochettino says: a new experience and something they can learn from. I don't think it's been the greatest experience for the Spurs fans. And if you was Maurizio, Alistair, when it comes that January window, where are the where are the areas that you would be targeting? Is it a right back, or is it waiting for one five to see if he's good enough to fulfil that spot? Is it looking at Dybala again? I have to ask you that name. Um, what do you think he's going to be looking at in January for you in terms of incomings if he can move out the players that no longer want to be at the football club? Yeah, well, it's about replacements, isn't it? I think they have to go and look at Bruno Fernandes again. You know, I think if they're going to try and replace Ericsson, I don't think there's a straight and direct replacement. I think Lacelso clearly is going to be part of that plan. I think Fernandes is more maybe brings the goals that you'd lose from Ericsson. Lo Celso is probably more the, the creativity. Fernandez would be more the goals. I mean, he, and he's been sensational. You talk about players wanting moves away and, and maybe kicking up a fuss or downing tools or even their form dropping. Bruno Fernandez has been phenomenal. He hasn't stopped scoring goals, setting up goals. He's absolutely got his head down. And I suppose that's the mentality that Pochettino would love. I think they, they have to have a look at him again in January. Dybala is a tough one. I remember we know how tough it was in the summer. You know, there's the image rights issues Mm. and also the fact that he's actually, he's playing and he's scoring for Juventus at the moment. And I think with Dybala, he's a player who his first love probably is to stay with Juventus. You know, that's, I think that's where his heart is. The thing with Juventus is obviously they've had some financial issues as well, is whether they try to force him out the door. I think that's probably more Spurs' best chance of getting him. But that for me, if it was tough in that whole summer to try and get him, I think January would be an incredibly, incredibly tough. Um, right back, yeah. If we're going to lose, you know, if Oreo is going to walk out, uh, go out, finally get his wish and get out the door, or Carl Walker Peters gets a, probably a loan move that he really deserved many seasons ago, you're going to have to look to replace there. And then you're looking at a centre back. I don't think it was any shock they were looking at um, Saliba, who went to Arsenal as a potential future replacement because. You're going to lose out of Vera Vertonghen. That, that's ripping a big kind of experienced hole in that back line. There's so many positions. I think probably central midfield they've got covered now. I think left back, if you're going to look at Davies and Sessegnon as the future of that role, that's probably fine. Attacking midfield, there's plenty of options now other than that, maybe that one playmaker spot. So, yeah, pretty much that's what you're left with. Play, uh, playmaker, a right back and a centre back. Alistair, we're talking about you know bringing players through, and, and I've always been a, bit, a big champion of, of the youth players we've got at the club, and I feel like we've got some fantastic players, and I, I know you watch most of the youth games as well. Um, I mean, if we could just briefly talk about yesterday's fantastic win for the club, the nine-two game. I mean, just starting with the lineup, um, you know, instantly having players like Dennis Serkin 
back as the left back and Janiel Bennett um, playing, you know, off off the forward and and, and to the wide wide forward. Um, it just made such a difference having players play in their natural positions and and nearly all of that eleven. I could see personally one day, you know, if they reach their potential, having a future at Tottenham. It was a really exciting lineup um, with some players that we have seen feature heavily in in pre-season and, and in training with Pochettino. Do you see any of those players from yesterday's fantastic win uh, potentially being future replacements in the squad? Down the line, certainly. I think you've, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. How, how different seeing a balanced team out there was. Honestly, they, they were superb. I, I love the, the Boeing white axis in the middle as well. Rather than sticking white out at left back, it makes such a difference. Um, there's a few of them. He's keeping an eye on, certainly. I think Har- Harvey White really impressed them in pre-season. Um, he, he, he showed that massive thing that Pochettino loves, which is versatility. You know, and, and to come in at left back when you are ostensibly a centre midfielder and to come in at left back. And I think he, he was involved in one of the goals as well out in, um, in was it Asia? I think he was there yeah. when he was out there. Um, that can only do you, you know, wonders. And obviously we know about Troy Parrott. Certainly, I think I write his, <laughs> write his name enough times. Um, and I really like Janiel Bennett. I think... That kid is is got a hell of a lot of potential. I think he's gone a bit under the radar because of the you know the, the injury he had at the start of the season. Yeah. Um. But obviously, Spurs fans will probably know him because I suppose in terms of of the main people that don't that don't follow maybe the youth teams, he's obviously scored the first goal at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So that's kind of probably what he's more known for. He's a talented kid, and if he gets into clicks into gear as he has been in previous seasons, I think he's definitely one that I can see getting a chance. Maybe next season. It's probably too too soon this season. Um, and that's the other thing as well is a lot of these players very talented, <clears throat> some talented midfielders in there and, and at the back as well. I, I like Malachi Walcott. I think he's a really good young centre back. I think there's a lot more to come from him. But it's about the right time to introduce them. And I know we want Pochettino to be brave. You know, we'd love to see these guys thrown in there, but. Pochettino has probably proved over the years when it comes to youth players, he'll be brave with them, but only in the right moments. It sounds a weird saying to say, because obviously, how can you be brave? But but I think there's a fear that if you throw them into a situation that's already tough and the fans are getting on the players' backs, and I think you kind of can stunt their development. And uh, I think maybe next year, it's a very young bunch, isn't it? Because they've got a lot of the 20-year-olds and over have gone out on loan. It's an incredibly young core now in the development squad. And I think... I think he'll give him that little bit extra time to develop before he um, starts bringing him in. Yeah, I mean, I, as you said, it, it is it is young, and, and as you said, a lot went out on loan, and a lot of of the, the older players, you know, Marcus Edwards, Samuel Shishoa, uh, Shaun Harrison, did move on in the summer, and that's opened the pathway for these younger players to come through. And it's actually of all the players at the club, um, I know Troy Parrott gets all the headlines because he's a goal scorer and because of his general physical prowess for his age. But it is Harvey White for me that I believe is. Uh, an absolute standout star. Never mind the fact that, as you said, he, he played out a left back, but I just think he's got fantastic vision and reading of the game. His set pieces are excellent. He scored another great free kick yesterday. And I just think Harvey White will become a future Tottenham Hotspur player. I'm almost certain of it. I think he's absolutely brilliant. And we have a, an abundance of really good central midfielders, as you alluded to with Jamie Bowden as well. Um, and then obviously when, when they're up, when they're up to it, Paris Magoma can be a fantastic player as well, but it's actually central defence for me where we have the most strength in depth. And I'm, I'm really pleased you mentioned Malachi Walcott. He is one that goes under the radar. He is a fantastic young uh, central defender. And we've also got Brooklyn's Lines Foster, Lewis Binks, and then TJ Yoma and, and Jaffet Tanganga, who have already made their 
first team debut. So there's a lot of players that I can see, you know, hopefully coming through that that Tottenham Academy uh, and, you know, saving us money in the future because there's players at the club now. I look at Victor Wanyama, for example. I mean, I was really disappointed he didn't move on and, and any minutes he does get net moving forward, I would only see them at the detriment of someone like Oliver Skip. I'd rather all those minutes that he was getting were going to Oliver Skip. And, you know, if in the January transfer window we don't actually sign anybody, but we manage to offload two or three players that, to me, are just blocking opportunities for hungry young players that are desperate to play for Tottenham Hotspur, then for me that would actually be a good window. I would like Wanyama to be moved on straight away. Um, and there's a few others as well that I feel like are just blocking the opportunity for, you know, Jaffet Tanganga and, and Troy Parrott to really come in and, and cement themselves and, you know, having this sort of Tottenham 2.0, but with a, a blood of hot away talent coming through, because that is something that all the fans will get behind. And, and these players are hugely talented. You saw the game yesterday and you saw how well we played. Um, and, and that was just, you know, that starting 11 was fantastic. But there are five, six, seven others that are also brilliant and they're also coming through. Um, so it seems to be a constant conveyor belt of talent. It's just getting them to have that opportunity to break into the first team and, and get some first team minutes and confidence. I have to ask you just on that, Alistair, like John says there, players like Troy Parrott, Oliver Skip, Jaffet Tanganga. I mean, I've been one of them that has wanted to see these players maybe introduced into the first team. You make the point there that Maurizio isn't just going to throw these players in because as fans, we want to see it. But do you think there is a case now where the as we've, I know you do believe that the club does need fresh blood, but also bringing through those players from the academy that understand what it's like to play for Tottenham. When Harry Kane came through, Harry Winks, you know, even Deli Ali from a League Two side, but when he came to the club, just having that young, fearless mentality. Do you think that's what this team is lacking to some degree? Can can those players be in that first team now, or do you think at the moment it's still too early from what you've seen of them? <sighs> Oh, it's a really tough one. It's, I mean, Pochettino probably summed it up himself. I think it was last season, he said, uh, in his early Tottenham years, he said, you could take a player from the academy um, and they could be maybe a six or a seven and they would get in the Spurs team. He says now, to get out of the academy into the first team, because the level Spurs are, you know, are aiming for, they have to be a nine or a ten. Um, and I can kind of see what he means. You know, there were certainly a lot of players in the past that were... We're getting the odd minutes under Pochettino that we now know have, have gone on to really do very little what kind of um, in their professional careers. And I think it's a massive step up. I, I, I thought Tanganga was superb during pre-season. That's probably one of the best pre-seasons I've seen from a young player, and especially doubled up with Parrots as well. I thought they both did incredibly well. And Skip as well, actually. You know, I think he goes, he kind of has gone under the radar because he's, he's not a showy player. You know, He's not one of these players who will, will dazzle you with a moment of skill he's technically excellent and he, he maybe that that's the position he plays in as well it's not one where he's really going to get forward and score you lots of goals he didn't really do that at youth level either he's just this real kind of a engine room kind of midfielder who gets the play going a little bit like winks i suppose maybe a similar kind of role to that as well i'd love to see these players involved but i just i feel in their current environment I just get the impression that Pochettino feels it will be more harmful to them than do them any good, which is a shame because we'd love to see him. Yeah, obviously going out of the Carabao Cup as well has, has limited their, their further chances because we saw both Jaffet and Troy start that game at Colchester, which I was really pleased about and it seemed like a step in, in the right direction. And it's, it's a real shame that we're going to miss out on, on them having those opportunities. But I do appreciate what you're saying that at the time we're in and, and the sort of negative atmosphere probably is for the best to, to hold them back for now. Um, but yeah, it's just an exciting time for the, the Tottenham Academy and, and so many great players coming through. And I'm really pleased they got that win yesterday. 
um, because, you know, thus far the, the youth team's results have been matching the first team's results in the Champions League. And uh, we got that win 9-2 yesterday and then the first team went and won 5-0. So it was a, a really good day for everyone at the club. And uh, I was also really pleased. I, I know you saw the game. What did you make of Keon Etesi? Because he's obviously a new signing to the club. He, he came on as a sub yesterday and got himself another goal. So I'm looking at that as another forward option for us to have coming through alongside Troy Parrott. He's a big lad for 17, as you will have seen. Um, what did you make of him? Yeah, he's a, he's a funny one, isn't he? Because he essentially was Tottenham's first signing of the summer and everyone got very excited and it had to be kind of dampeners put on it. That Obviously, he's a big lad. You know, he does not look his age at all, but he... He is still very young and he's still kind of is finding his feet. And I think he's he's kind of mainly been, isn't he, as in under eighteen football this season. He hasn't really made too many steps into development squad, which must be weird having kind of come from Notts County where he's got a couple of football league appearances under his belt and then suddenly he's more as an under eighteens player. Um there's something there though. You could definitely see it. And his movement yesterday, albeit for only like the, the latter the minutes as well. I think it was Pochettino Jr., wasn't it? Set up his, his goal as well. That's right. Um, he yeah, there's something about him. You can tell. You, I mean you don't spend two hundred grand or so on a on a seventeen year old um unless you, you can see there's something about him that can either be brought to the first team or as a future, you know, lone player in the championship or something like that. And uh yeah, no, I like to see. I'd like to see more of him up against older defences. I'd like to see him, you know, taking on the more under twenty three level with the development squad in the Premier League too. Then we'll get more of a sense because I mean, even with Parrot, Parrot's early forays into the under twenty threes were didn't bring many goals. He, he it took a little bit of time to adapt, and I think that's that's the next stage for him as well. It's uh, seeing how how you, you go against more experienced players with a little bit more know how. Yeah, that's the worry with Parrot though, is is that now that you know he does regularly train with with the first team, um, he'll get locked in this sort of Pochettino cycle whereby an Oliver Skipper suffered it, Carl Walker Peters has suffered it, and he's the one negative I have on Pochettino is that is that you know for me, Troy Parrot, Oliver Skip, Alfie Whiteman, they should all be playing under twenty threes football at all time. They're not being considered to be in the eighteen for the Tottenham first team. I really don't understand it. I don't know if you have an opinion on that, Alistair, and, and, and why it's the case, but he really makes these players feel, you know, Oliver Skip, for example, made 12 first-team appearances last season, but he still has his locker room with the under-23s. He still wears the, uh, I believe it's white socks into training, when all the, or black socks into training when all the first-team players wear the white socks. So there's always a, a differentiation between him and the first-team players. And why is it Pochettino leaves players to wait so long, even after making, say, 12 first-team appearances, um, to make them feel fully part of that first-team squad. And also, what do you think about my earlier point about some of those players that once they have been called up seem to then not play any football? Uh, and the key example I give is Alfie Whiteman. Before he started a under-23 game this season, he hadn't actually played any competitive football for about three seasons, which I find really concerning for someone's development. Yeah, it is, it is bizarre. I completely agree. I remember we're kind of... With Carl Walker Peters uh, a couple of seasons ago, especially, it was ridiculous. He was he must have been the most lack of match sharpness any player probably in in the club. It was unreal. And yeah, same with Alfie Whiteman. It's a very strange cycle. But Pochettino has this belief that players will learn more. So in his mind, Troy Parrott will learn more from training with the first team constantly, um, being alongside Harry Kane, and he'll learn more from a match day experience, going with the squad, being the 19th man, um, being among the warm-up, seeing how the whole experience is, than he will playing against, you know, an under-23 squad. Um, 
I wouldn't say I personally agree with it, but then obviously I'm not a, a, like the top three managers in the world. <laughs> what do I know? Yeah, but it's uh, it's a strange way of doing it. And you do feel that sometimes players get a little, like you say, lost in the system. Um, and then when they do have to move on, they're, they're kind of underprepared almost. Um, the only thing I would say with Troy Parrott, and we have to remember he's 17. You know, a lot of the other players that have got stuck in this cycle, like Walker Peters was probably 19, 20. Uh, Skip slightly older. Um, even Tanganga, I think he's 20, isn't he? It's, yeah. I would say he's very, very young. So th- there's still still plenty of time to, to work on him. And Pochettino, when I asked him about him a couple of, about a month ago, he was very much... I want him to be part of both worlds. I want him to to know that one week he might play for the under-23s and then the next couple of weeks he'll be with us. And I think that's just how he sees his development. Alistair, just to kind of summarise what's been a wonderful hour for me and John, I have to ask you, what would you say constitutes success for Tottenham this season? Oh, wow. Um, it changes, doesn't it? I think before the season started, if we looked at, the exciting signings that, you know, were coming in, session on the Celso, on Dembele, we probably expected a bit more. We'd have probably said, you know, a real crack at kind of breaking the City-Liverpool stronghold at the top, the stranglehold. But unfortunately, it's kind of now, it's, it's so weird. It's, I hate to use Pochettino's favourite word, circumstances, but maybe all the rubbish that's kind of gone on in the opening weeks of the season, you know, you probably think a top four finish and getting to maybe the quarterfinals, semifinals of the Champions League would probably be a pretty decent season out of the rubble of how the season started. I'd love them to go and win the FA Cup. I think, you know, I know people say, and I heard a pundit saying the other day, that getting to the Champions League final means more than winning the Carabao Cup. I'd probably agree with that. But if he could just pick up a little bit of silverware, if it's the FA Cup, it would just end that whole debate and we wouldn't have to hear that rhetoric all the time. So, yeah, top four... Knockout stages, hopefully maybe quarterfinal, semi-final Champions League and win the FA Cup as well. Make a proper, proper go of it. And do you think, Alistair, my last question to you, will this man still be here this time next year? Or is it all dependent? I mean, a lot of people say about the trophy. He has to win a trophy. Does that now become the be and end all? You know, we saw at the start of pre-season, I think he said that he is going to take the FA Cup and Carabao Cup more seriously. I mean, I don't think you use those exact words, but it seems to be the case that we were going to see stronger lineups. And to be fair, I think the, the line of people out of the Colchester was more than good enough to get the result. He still had some really quality players on show, uh, more than capable of getting the result, which never materialised. But does he need to win a trophy in order for him, do you reckon, this, will he still be in next season? I suppose is what I'm trying to get to. <laughs> Um, yeah, don't ever ask Pochettino if he'll take the FA Cup or Carabao Cup more seriously. <laughs> he hates that question. He always goes, but we were in the semi-final of the FA Cup. You know, we were in the mm. final of the Carabao, uh, semi-final of the Carabao Cup and the final, and he hates it with a passion. <laughs> I kind of get it. He does, Like you say, he puts out teams that are good enough to win the matches. They just don't go out and win them. Um, but in terms of Pochettino, I'd say we'll see him certainly at Spurs until the end of the season, I feel. Next summer is massive. I think in terms of who comes in for him and whether he believes that Spurs are actually going to back everything he wants to do and realise his ambitions. I think next summer is enormous. I think it was meant to be this summer was enormous. It's almost like Spurs once again delayed what really should have happened and I think it all falls on next summer. That's very interesting. John, anything you want to ask Alistair as we took to finish up? Yeah, Alice, it's been great to have you on. I'm really thankful you've come on the show and, and been able to share your, your knowledge of, of watching Tottenham day to day. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, your prediction for the season would be an incredible season for us, you know, to actually win some silverware and get in that top four again. Um, and yeah, I suppose we're just all to, to hearing more of your match reports and, and your live videos and, and YouTube videos of how everything's going down at Tottenham and, and the press reports. So I just want to say a big thank you from myself and, and many other Tottenham fans, I'm sure, for all the hard work you do for the club. Thanks, very kind of you. I enjoy it and hopefully that comes across in what I do. Oh, it does. Alistair, not that anyone needs to know where they can find you, but you just want to let people know where they can find you in case they, they haven't heard you. I can't believe they haven't or they haven't read any of your articles. Where can they find Alistair Gold? They can find me on football.london. All my stuff's on there. Pretty much every day there'll be something I've written and uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. But yeah, head to football.london and you'll find me. And you've got a YouTube channel as well, Alistair, haven't you? You've gone the kind of, you've, you've gone the kind of I say without going modern world. You're even on YouTube now as well. I have to say, <laughs> yeah, that's my daughter's fault. She she very much said that that was the way I had to go. So um, I've been having a bit of fun with that as well. And it's yeah, it, it's it's good fun. It's essentially just me sounding off for about twenty minutes to half an hour about everything I've just seen in the week, and uh, people seem to be responding, which is lovely. No, it is really good, especially after a, I say after a defeat. It's almost like therapeutic, Alistair. You get your half an hour chunk, <laughs> and you think, "Oh my god, we we needed that." So, it's a, we love your stuff. Keep doing what you're doing. We'll have to get you back on the show again, either at some point this season or next season. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks. You are a star. Well, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this show. As I said, this is going to be going worldwide to you all. So enjoy this one. John, thank you for coming back on. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, Ricky. No, it's been brilliant. It's been an absolute delight to have Alistair on the show. It's something we've, we've wanted for a while. And uh, I'm really pleased that he came on on the back of two really good wins at Tottenham Hotspur as a club yesterday with the youth and the first team. And uh, we've got loads more of exciting shows to come. So thanks again for everyone listening in. And uh, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. And Alistair... Only Liverpool next. Nothing to worry about, is there? No, of course not. No, <laughs> n- nothing's bad has happened against Liverpool, is it, in the past? Not at all. No, not at all, not at all. Listen, massive game to come. We're going to be back on Love Sport for you tonight, previewing that huge game at Anfield at the weekend. Enjoy the show, and as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.